Qala. So Musa alayhi salam, he realized Harun was innocent. Who was the main guilty person? Samiri. So he addressed Samiri. He said, فَمَا خَطْبُكَ يَا Samiri, O Samiri, what is your case? What do you have to say? What were you thinking? What were you doing? Why did you do this? What was your motive? Qala. Samiri said, بَصُرْتُ I saw bima that which lam yabsuru they did not see. Notice the word basurtu. Sounds different, right? Root is the same, basadra, basara, to see. It means to see and learn, to observe. And how do you observe when you keep a close watch on something? When you keep watching it, keep looking at it, and then you observe it, you learn something out of it. Right? So for instance, if you want to learn about the behavior of children in a particular situation, you don't just look at them once and you pass a judgment. No, you do a proper study. You observe children, different children, over and over again for a prolonged period of time. This is basurtu. Right? So he said, basurtu bimalam yabsurubi. I saw something that others did not see. I observed something that others did not. I learned something that others did not. فَقَبَضْتُ So I took a handful. قَبَضْتُ I took قَبْضَةً A handful. قَبْضَة is that which you can take in your hand. So for example, there's sand. Alright? And you take a handful in your hand. What is in your hand, that is called قَبْضَة. So he said, I took a handful of what? Of something مِنْ أَثَرِ rasul From the track of the messenger. What does this mean? Some reports, they tell us that Samiri, he saw Jibreel. All right? He saw Angel Jibreel. And this is something that's not difficult to accept because Jibreel would come in the form of a human being even to the Prophet ﷺ. Remember that time when he came in the form of a man and he was dressed in all white? All right? And he came and he sat in front of the Prophet ﷺ and he asked him questions and then he left and the Sahaba were very you know, surprised that first of all, who is this man? And there are no traces of any travel on him. We don't know this guy. We've never seen him before. And look at the way he's asking the Prophet ﷺ. And when the Prophet ﷺ gives him an answer, he says, you have spoken the truth. Alright? So when he left, the Sahaba went, you know, they followed him to see where, where does he go? Nowhere to be seen. So the Prophet ﷺ told him that was Jibreel who had come to teach you your religion. Meaning he had come to teach you in this way. That these are the questions you ask. And by his asking questions, you learned the answers as well. So anyway, Samiri, at some point, he saw Angel Jibreel. Alright, this is something that is mentioned in reports. In some narrations. And these narrations are mainly Israeliyat. Meaning, those versions that we have learned from the Christian and Jewish sources. So when he saw Jibreel, Jibreel's horse or whatever, he he saw the track, right, in the sand. So Samini, he had an idea. He said, you know what, let me take a handful of dust, of sand from here. And he's like, oh, Jibreel, he stepped over here. Divine. You know, people also think like this. So for instance, somebody will say, oh, this hair belongs to the Prophet ﷺ, this hair of the Prophet ﷺ, and they will display it, and people will travel from far and wide to just set their eyes on that hair. What proof do you have? Right? Or they will say different things about 
this is the shirt of the Prophet ﷺ or his turban. or They've displayed many things like that. And they think these things are holy. So Samari, he had a similar concept. He thought that sand would be very holy and it would have many amazing characteristics. So he said, فَقَبَضْتُ قَبْضَةً I took a handful of dust and I saved it. مِنْ أَثَرِ الرَّسُولِ So which Rasul is this messenger? Jibreel. He said, فَنَبَزْتُهَا And then I threw it. Threw it where? Into the gold that was burning, that was being heated. Which gold? That the Bani Israel had dumped. Alright? Why did I do this? وَكَذَلِكَ سَوَّلَتْ لِي نَفْسِي Thus did my soul entice me. I just felt like it. I just had this idea and I wanted to do it and I did it. Now some scholars say that Samiri made this up. Alright? Because what he was saying was that the angel Jibreel, wherever his horse stepped, you know, that sand would turn into like a lush green piece of land. It would have plants growing on it immediately. But come on, life does not come from the footprints of Jibreel's horse. Or does it? It doesn't. Who gives life? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So basically Samari made this up in order to save his skin. He said, you know, I had an idea. You know, some people, they talk in very philosophical terms. So he said, I had this idea. And I saw something that others didn't see. So I took a handful of dust and I threw it in the gold and that gold turned into something living. So that calf that I made, it made a sound. And this is what people were impressed by. But it was a lie. It was all a lie. He made all of this up. Other scholars have said that what is mentioned over here is true. Meaning, Samadhi did have this idea that others didn't have. He saw Jibreel, and this was a test for Samadhi. This is just like the Bani Israel. They were tested through Harut and Marut. Remember? Harut and Marut, the two angels who taught magic. Angels teaching magic. And they would tell people that this is all a fitna. So, this was a test for Samadhi. That what would he do? And he led the people astray. A more recent contemporary opinion is that some scholars have said, "Basurtu yabsurubi." I saw something that people didn't see, meaning I saw some problems in the teachings of Musa that others did not perceive. فَقَبَضْتُ قَبْضَةً مِنْ أَثَرِ الرَّسُولِ From the traces of the messenger, meaning from his teachings, yeah, I took a handful of teachings and I practiced them for some time, but then I saw some problems in this deen, فَنَبَزْتُهَا So I threw it. I threw this deen away and I made up my own calf. I made up my own idol. I made up my own religion. وَكَذَلِكَ سَوَّلَتْ لِي نَفْسِي And this is what I felt like doing, so I did it. Now whatever happened, Allahu A'lam what actually happened. Alright? We see the excuses that the Bani Israel made and Samiri made just to save their skin, just to save themselves. But in reality, they had committed a serious error. What they were implying was, it just so happened. We didn't do it intentionally. The Bani Israel said, we didn't do it intentionally. It just happened. We didn't do it deliberately. It happened. What is Samadhi saying? I had this idea. You know, my soul told me to. My heart told me to. So I just followed my heart. You understand? I mean, these are the excuses that we come up with as well when we have done something wrong. Either we say, oh, I didn't even realize or we say, I don't know, I just felt like it. 
I just felt like it. It just seemed like the right thing to do. You know, for example, somebody asks you, I'm in a lot of trouble, I am in a very deep relationship with a guy. Why? How did you get there? I don't know, it just so happened. I was like, I was pulled towards it. You know, it's as if somebody was guiding me in that direction. Yeah, that was shaitan. And you just followed him. I realize that subhanAllah, if someone wants to be rightly guided, they could be guided. And it's all about us how much we want that guidance. Yes. And another thing I wanted to make a reflection on was verse 94 of Harun alayhi salam. How he had so much patience and was so gentle with Bani Israel. Had he acted upon emotions, he yes. would have divided that ummah and so much corruption could have came out of it. So it shows us the importance of da'wah nowadays. We live in a society where we're making da'wah and we would easily get mad, agitated, angry, or even our own fellow Muslims. Oh, she didn't do this, khalas, I gave up. But the cause of that can turn them away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That every time they want to come closer to Allah, they will just remember you. Yes. You know, yes. Importance yeah, in that. Because division is worse. Division is a much greater problem. So Harun salam, his goal was to keep people together, keep them united. So anyway, the lessons that we learn over here from Samiri and what the Bani Israel did was that first of all, admit your mistake. You know, mistakes happen. Mistakes such as worshipping the calf can also happen. You know, like the Sahaba, they had lived practicing idolatry for a long period of their time. So there were times when they would say unintentionally, I swear by Lat and Uzza, their idols. Why? Because Lat and Uzza was all that they would say before. So if they had to take an oath, I swear by Lat and Uzza. Oh, oh, what did I just say? You know, it's like if you have a bad habit and you're consciously getting over it, but it takes time. Mistakes happen. Sometimes out of ignorance, sometimes out of lack of attention, whatever it may be. The Prophet ﷺ told the companions that when something like this happens, say La ilaha illallah. Mistake happened, now fix it. Right? So the first thing is accept it. Don't come up with false excuses, with lame excuses. Don't blame your heart or blame something else. Take responsibility. The one who takes responsibility, he's the one who's doing tawbah. And the one who does tawbah, Allah will guide him. Then another thing we see over here is that, I mean, Samadhi seems to be a different guy. Alright? I mean, to be able to make a calf like that and to be able to convince people to give him all their gold... All right, and turn it into a calf and shape it in a way that it produces a sound. He seemed very skillful. All right, and many people they have extraordinary talents that Allah subhanahu wa taala has given them, and these talents must be put in the right direction. Because if you don't put them in the right direction, these same talents will become your greatest fitna. They will misguide you. They will mislead you. You know, for instance, some people they're really good at art, drawing stuff. Everybody can't do that. They're really good at it. And when you make something with your own hand, you know, for instance, a picture of a person or something, I mean, you're amazed by what you've done. You're impressed. The whole world is impressed. But the same skill can be a source of misguidance and error and sin for you. Right? So you have to use the skill properly. You have to use the strength in the right way. Don't let it misguide you. Don't let it take you astray. Then another thing we see over here is that Samadhi, he did what he thought of doing and people followed him blindly without even thinking. 
So again, the same lesson we learn here is, use your head. Another thing we see here is that somebody openly said, وَكَذَلِكَ سَوَّلَتْ لِي نَفْسِ My nafs told me to do this. My heart told me. I have followed my desires. I just followed my heart. So he followed his desire. And when a person blindly follows his desires, uncontrollably without setting any limits for himself, then he cannot remain guided anymore. قَالَ مُوسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ said, فَذْهَبْ Go. Keep away from us. He said this to Samiri. Go, keep away from us. فَإِنَّ لَكَ فِي الْحَيَاةِ For indeed for you in this life, أَن تَقُولَ That you will say, لَا مِسَاس No contact. مِسَاس from مَس مَس means to touch. And مِسَاس فِعَال To touch one another. Physical contact. Your punishment is that for as long as you will live, you will say, no contact, don't touch me. Why would he say that? Why was he not allowed to have any physical contact as a punishment? So this could mean like there was complete social boycott or he was in solitary confinement. Nobody was allowed to touch him and he was not allowed to touch anybody, no contact. Or this could be understood in the physical sense that he developed some kind of disease or something that made him an untouchable. Nobody wanted to touch him and he did not want to be touched. He did not want to be touched. You see, as human beings, we need physical contact. It's a human need. You know, babies, they need to be touched. They need to be held. They need to be cuddled. And when babies are not held, they're not cuddled, it can actually have a very bad effect on them. It can develop many insecurities. Human beings, we need physical contact. We need to shake hands. We need a hug once in a while. It's something within us. But imagine a person who can have no physical contact with any human being. Any human being. Not even a handshake. Either it was out of some disease or Allahu alam what reason? No physical contact. This is truly a punishment. But sometimes it happens that, you know, at times a person's akhlaq is so bad that people run away from them. They don't want to go near them. They don't want to touch them. They don't want to shake hands with them. They don't want to even hug them. And may Allah protect us from this. I've literally seen with my own eyes a person who was treated like this. Nobody would touch them. Nobody. Why? Because of their akhlaq. They were on good terms with nobody at all. Even the closest relatives. Now imagine, you have a headache, you have a backache, you want somebody to rub you, your sister, your brother, your son, somebody to rub you, somebody to sit next to you. You know, somebody whom you can just recline on, just for fun. But nothing like that. And may Allah protect us. This is truly, like you see over here, what happened to Samiri? أَن تَقُولَ لَا مِسَاسِ وَإِنَّ لَكَ مَوْعِدًا And indeed for you is a promise, meaning a punishment. لَن تُخْلَفَ That you will never be able to go against. Meaning, this is just your punishment in the dunya, لَا مِسَاسِ There is more to come in the akhirah. And that punishment you can never miss. وَانظُرْ And look إِلَى إِلَهِكَ to your God. الَّذِي ظَلْتَ عَلَيْهِ عَاكِفًا That which you remained devoted to. ظَلْتَ this means to continue to do something all day long, never stop. So you remained akif to it. 
and ukuf to be devoted. Look at this God that you made and you were so devoted to. Look at what we do to it. لَنُحَرِّقَنَّهُ This is God. We're going to burn it. ثُمَّ then لَنَنْسِفَنَّهُ We're going to scatter its ashes. Where? فِي In the sea. Nasfa With a blast. Scattering them completely. نُون سِينْ فَا Nasaf is to scatter. Nusafa To blow something into dust. Literally when something is blasted, scattered away. How could this be your God? So we see that the calf, it was burnt and the ashes were scattered so that there remained no remnants of it. Why? Because if there remained even few bits of it, it would call people to shirk again. So this teaches us that if there is a calf in your life, something that is diverting you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and each time you fail because of it, then you need to move away from it. You need to get rid of it. You need to remove it from your life. Because as long as it remains, it will be a fitna for you. Out of sight, out of life, anything that takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For instance, you know, music for example. Many people, they have a hard time getting over it, getting rid of it. And it doesn't just stop by telling yourself, that's it, I'm not listening to it again. It stops how? By deleting all those playlists. By throwing away. Now you don't even have CDs and tapes, right? You can just get anything, anytime. Right? So for example, for me, one of my biggest fitness was television. Because I felt like it consumed a lot of my time. So, alhamdulillah, may Allah keep us firm on this. My husband and I, when we moved into our house, we decided that we were not going to get any kind of cable or anything like that. And if we do have a TV, then it's just for we. And it stays in the basement. It doesn't come upstairs. Because you have to go all the way down to play we, and you have to be cold in the basement. So this is the only way. This is the only way. Because you know what happens? You turn the TV, let me see what happened on the news. Let me watch some news. Oh yeah, there's an interesting documentary. And you know, it's okay to have fun sometimes. It's okay to know what's going on around the world. Yeah, so let me see what these people are watching. And let me see what's going on in the world. Let me see how people shop and how they dress up and how they treat their kids and one thing after the other. Consumes your life. So you have to eliminate it for your own good. You have to discard it from your life. Otherwise it will consume you. Allah says, إِنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ Indeed your God is Allah. How could you forget Him? الَّذِي لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّهُ Besides whom there is no God. And He has encompassed everything totally, completely in His knowledge. What you need to know is, who is Allah? How could you make an idol? Because you forgot Allah. So who is your God? Allah. He is the only God. And He encompasses everything in knowledge. كَذَلِكَ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ Thus do we relate to you. O Prophet ﷺ, min ambai of the news, meaning we're telling you some news of what maqat sabak, of that which has passed, of history, something you didn't know of. We're telling you, we're teaching you a lesson of history. وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ and we have given you miladunna from us dhikra a reminder. And what is this reminder? The Quran, because the Quran reminds you. And notice how it is dhikra. We have given you a reminder. Because a reminder can be different given the time and the situation that you're in. So the story of Musa a.s. It's a reminder. Because in one situation of your life, when you read it, 
it reminds you of one lesson. Five years later, teaches you something else. Two years later, teaches you something else. Man a'rada anhu, whoever turns away from it, meaning from this reminder that we have given, an i'rad is to deliberately turn away. Whoever deliberately turns away from this Quran, he doesn't believe in it, doesn't follow it, doesn't live by it. فَإِنَّهُ then indeed he yahmilu, he will carry يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ on the day of judgment, wizra, a heavy burden, a heavy burden. Wizr, burden, meaning the burden of sin. But also the consequence of that sin. Allah has sent the Qur'an as a guidance for us. To remind us, to teach us. So that we can improve our lives, we can fix our lives. And if we turn away from it, then who are we harming? Who are we harming? Ourselves. Because such a person will carry on the Day of Judgment a heavy burden. خَالِدِينَ فِيهِ Abiding eternally therein. In what? In that burden. And in the consequence of that burden. That sin, that guilt of rejecting the Qur'an. And the consequences that it will bring. وَسَاءَ لَهُمْ And terrible for them. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the Day of Judgment. Himla As a load. Meaning what a terrible load. What a terrible burden it is that they will carry. Carrying a burden itself is embarrassing. Itself is a cause of pain. But this burden is not just referring to the burden of sin and guilt of rejecting the Qur'an. It's referring to the punishment that will result in rejecting the Qur'an, in denying the words of God. And this is something serious. خَالِدِينَ فِيهِ Recitation. قال فما خطبك يا سامري قال بصرت بما لم يبصروا به فقبضت قبضة من أثر الرسول فنبذتها فنبذتها وكذلك سولت لي نفسي قال فاذهب فإن لك في الحياة أن تقول لا مساس وإن لك موعدا لن تخلفه وانظر إلى إلهك الذي ظلت عليه عاكفا لنحرقنه ثم وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ مِنْ لَدُنَّا ذِكْرًا مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَحْمِلُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وِزْرًا خَالِدِينَ فِيهِ وَسَاءَ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حِمْلًا يَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ وَنَحْشُرُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ يَوْمَئِذٍ زُرْقًا 
يتخافتون بينهم إلا بثم إلا عشرا نحن أعلم بما يقولون إذ يقول أمثلهم طريقة إلا بثم إلا يوما So with these verses we reach the concluding part of Surah Taha In Surah Taha we have studied we learned the story of Musa alayhisalam in great detail And over here we are being taught lessons that we can learn from the story of Surah Taha. And especially remember that Surah Taha was revealed in Mecca at a time when the Prophet ﷺ was facing a lot of persecution from his enemy. And in the story was great comfort for Rasulullah ﷺ and there is also great comfort for us. There were many lessons for him and there are also many lessons for us. So firstly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّهُ وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Your true God is Allah alone. It is not what your hands make. It is not the calf that Samiri made. It is not something glittery of this dunya that attracts you, that impresses you. No, your God, the one whom you should be striving towards, the one whom you should be living for is who? Allah And He is the one who has complete knowledge. وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا He has encompassed everything completely and totally in His knowledge. كَذَلِكَ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ مَا قَدْ سَبَقْ وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ مِنْ لَدُنَّا ذِكْرًا Over here, stories of the people of the past have been related. Because in the story of Musa a.s. it's not just the story of Musa. We also learn about Fir'aun. We also learn about Samiri. We also learn about the mother of Musa a.s. We learn about many people. So the people of the past, why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about them? Because in this is a lesson. وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ مِنْ لَدُنَّا In this is a lesson. You look at your history. You look at the past. You look at the people who went before you. What did they do? What right did they do? What wrong did they do? What mistakes did they make? And you learn a lesson from that. And this Qur'an, the entire Qur'an is a dhikr. It's a reminder. مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ Whoever turns away from it deliberately, meaning he deliberately leaves the book of Allah, he leaves this reminder, he gets busy with something else, abandons the Qur'an, and remember that turning away from the Qur'an is in several ways. You know, generally we think that turning away from the Qur'an means you reject it, you don't believe in it. That is one aspect. But there's many other ways of leaving the Qur'an. There's many other ways of deliberately turning away from the Qur'an. One way is disbelief. Another is that a person does not reflect on it. That these ayat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us not just for the purpose of memorization and recitation, but also for reflection. A reminder is not just to be read and re-read and memorized. No, a reminder needs to be benefit it from. So turning away from the Qur'an is also turning away from not learning from the Qur'an. Just reading, you know, studying, and that's it. Stopping over there. The Qur'an was sent for guidance. It was sent as a reminder. And the reminder must be benefited from. Likewise, another way of turning away from the Qur'an is not reciting it. The Qur'an was sent as a reminder, as a guidance, but also so that it is recited. The Prophet ﷺ, imagine, he was to recite the Qur'an to the people. And sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would ask some of the companions, recite the Qur'an. 
recite for me. I recite to you, now you recite to me. In salah, the imam is to recite the Qur'an out loud. And in other prayers, not just the imam, but every single person is supposed to recite the Qur'an silently for himself. Whether you're praying in congregation or you're praying yourself, recite the Qur'an. So the person who does not recite the Qur'an, what is he doing? He's turning away from the Qur'an. He's leaving the Qur'an. Another way of leaving the Qur'an is not using it for shifa. Allah has sent this Qur'an as a cure, shifa, as a healing. And if we're sick and we're fussing, oh I'm so sick, I'm so unwell, and the Qur'an is right there on our night table, but we're not reading it, we're not reciting it, then we are turning away from the Qur'an, even though it may be right next to us. If we're stressed out and the Qur'an is in our phone, on a beautiful app, right? And we are stressed out because of what's going on in our life and we're tweeting about it and we're writing to the whole world about it, but we're not reading the Qur'an, we are turning away from it. We are turning away from the Qur'an. Another way of turning away from the Qur'an is forgetting it. That a person had memorized it. A person had learned its meanings, but then he forgot it, he abandoned it. He didn't apply it, he didn't review it, and over time, he forgot it. He got busy with other things, other things became his priorities, and he neglected the Qur'an. مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ Whoever turns away from the Qur'an, فَإِنَّهُ يَحْمِلُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وِزْرًا He will carry a burden, a heavy burden on the Day of Judgment. What is this heavy burden? Of sin, of guilt. And remember that actions, whether they're good or they're bad, they will take a physical form on the Day of Judgment. So the deeds which are being recorded in our records today, we don't see them, but they will take a physical form on the Day of Judgment. And this physical form of deeds, sins will be like a burden that a person will have to carry on himself. And good deeds, on the other hand, will carry a person. Your good deeds will carry you. And your sins, you have to carry them. So see what you want to carry. مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَحْمِلُ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وِزْرًا خَالِدِينَ فِيهِ Abiding therein eternally. Meaning the sin will be attached to the person forever. This guilt. You know, for instance, if you've made a mistake, a big mistake, then what happens? Even though you apologize, and even though you try to make amends, but what happens? It stays with you for the rest of your life. Each time you think about it, this feeling of guilt and shame and regret and embarrassment overcomes you. But at least in this life, you can get busy with other things and forget about the mistakes that you've made. You know, you make settlement with your past. All right, You come to some agreement. You try to get over it. But in the hereafter... The sins that a person has committed, especially his neglect to the Qur'an, it will be attached to him forever. Our relationship with the Qur'an is a very serious relationship. It matters in this dunya and it matters even more in the akhirah. Even more. You see, there are certain things in our life, whether we give importance to them or we don't give importance to them, not a big deal. We take them lightly, we take them seriously, not a big deal. Certain people in our lives, we give importance to them, we don't. Okay, it'll make some difference, not much. But when it comes to the Qur'an, when it comes to the Qur'an, remember there is a very serious relationship over here. This is something that cannot be taken lightly. Because this Qur'an is Allah's word, His message, 
His command, His gift. And if we take it the way it should be taken, this is a source of success for us. And if we turn away from it, and if we don't give it its right, this is what will drive us to our eternal punishment. You know, like in the hadith we learn, Al-Quran, حُجَّةٌ لَكَ أَوْ عَلَيْكَ This Quran is either an argument for you, or it is an argument against you. There is no third option. There is no third option. It's either going to intercede for you, and make you win, make you succeed, or it's going to ruin you. So it's up to us what we want. If we want the Quran to bring us success, then we better pay attention to it now for our own good. In this life and the next. And if a person turns away from the Quran, from its message, from its guidance, from its reminders, then he's only harming himself. مَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَحْمِلُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وِزْرًا خَالِدِينَ فِيهِ وَسَاءَ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حِمْلًا يَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ The day when the trumpet will be blown. This day is near. It's certain. It's coming. The day when يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ الصور, the trumpet. It will be blown. By who? By the angel Israfil. And what does that mark? The beginning of the day of judgment. Because the trumpet will be blown, how many times? Two times. According to the majority opinion, two times the trumpet will be blown. The first time that the trumpet will be blown, what will happen? Death. Death and destruction. You know in the Qur'an when we learn about the sun and the moon colliding and the sun losing its light and the seas, the waters being set on fire and we learn about 10-month pregnant she-camels, full-term pregnant she-camels being abandoned, meaning the most precious property even being abandoned. In hadith we learn the two people will be you know, concluding their trade, their transaction. One person is buying and the other is selling and they won't be able to conclude it. They won't be able to finish it. So this is when, when the trumpet will be blown the first time. All those who are alive will die. The mountains will be blown away. Everything will be destroyed. And then the second time that the trumpet will be blown, what will happen? Resurrection. Life. All the dead will be brought back to life. So, يَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ The day when the trumpet will be blown. وَنَحْشُرُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ And we will gather the criminals. Who is a criminal? Someone who is guilty of a crime. Who is convicted. Proven to be guilty. وَنَحْشُرُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ يَوْمَئِذٍ On that day, how will they come? Zurqa. They will come blue-eyed. They will come with their eyes blue. The word zurqa is the plural of the word azraq. And azraq is someone who has blue eyes. What does it mean? Some have said that what it means by blue eyes is that they will come blind. They will not be able to see. Because the eye that is unable to see, what happens? It loses its color. If you look at any picture of a person whose eyes, they don't work properly, then what happens? They're almost gray. Right? They lose color. And the white is not that clear either. Zurqa. So blind, gray and hazy. And this is mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an as well. Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 97. وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ عُمِّيًا وَبُكْمًا وَصُمَّا They will come blind, deaf and mute. 
Others have said that what it means by blue eyes is that they'll be terrified and bewildered. Terrified. Because of the horrors of that day. You know, for instance, when we say the term blues, blues, what does that mean? Sad and depressed, right? There's no life. So, zurqa, meaning their pupils faded out of the horrors of that day, extremely fearful, Because the faces are also described in the Qur'an, right? The faces will be blackened, meaning full of gloom, sad, terrified, angry with themselves, miserable, in a miserable condition. So, يَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ وَنَحْشُرُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ يَوْمَئِذٍ زُرْقًا They will come that day terrified, tormented. And also if you think about it, the body, when it's beaten, What happens to it? Does it turn blue? Yes. It turns blue. It's bruised. So their bodies, their eyes, their faces, blackened, blue, bruised, as if the punishment has already begun for them. They will murmur among themselves. They will whisper to each other. From the word تخافت. And تخافت is to speak very quietly. Very quietly. To whisper in such a way that you cannot be heard. You know, for instance, when you're talking to someone, you're whispering to them, sometimes your whisper is loud. You know, many times children are trying to whisper to each other. Right? They think they're whispering, but they can be heard everywhere. Right? Or sometimes in class, what happens? People are whispering to each other, but they still can be heard. The khafut is to whisper in such a way that you cannot even be heard. That only if somebody is looking at your mouth or they're really trying to listen to you, then they can tell that you're saying something. You know, in the Quran we learn, وَلَا تُخَافِتْ بِهَا In salah, when you're performing your salah, don't perform it completely inaudible. Don't do takhafit in salah. Rather, find a moderate way. That don't be too loud and don't be completely silent. So, يَتَخَافَتُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ They will try to talk to each other, but they'll be so afraid, they won't even make a sound. They will whisper, they will murmur, but they'll be afraid to even make a sound. And what will they try to tell each other? You did not stay, meaning in the world, except 10 days. You only stayed in the world for how long? 10 days. Meaning the life of the world will seem so short to them when they will see the horrors of that day. The horrors of the day of judgment will make them forget the long lives they have enjoyed. The days and nights that they have spent in amusement. They will forget that. The whole dunya, the whole life will seem to them like 10 days, such a short amount of time. Meaning it will seem so insignificant. It will seem so little, so less compared to the eternity now that they will face in the hereafter. إِلَّا بِسْتُمْ إِلَّا عَشْرًا But what happens today? What happens today? We think that we're not here for 10 days. We think that we are here for 10 millenniums. And that is how we live our lives. That is how we plan our days and we plan the temporary things and the temporary events of this life. But the fact is that on the day of judgment, it will seem like just 10 days. Allah says, نَحْنُ, we are, أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ 
We are most knowing of what they say. Meaning even when they're whispering to each other, in a very inaudible way, still Allah knows very well what they're saying to each other. إِذْ يَقُولُ Meaning they cannot hide from Allah. Nothing will be hidden. إِذْ يَقُولُ When he will say, who will say? أَمْثَلُهُمْ The most exemplary of them. أَمْثَلْ From Meem Thalam. Mathal, example. Amthal, most exemplary. Meaning someone who's cited as an example. Someone who's taken as an example. Someone who's taken as a role model. Someone whom you emulate. In other words, the best of them. The best of people. In what? In tariqah. In way. Meaning in lifestyle. So in other words, the people who are the most elite, the most sophisticated of them, the most exemplary of them in culture, You know, people who are most successful in their worldly lives. And who are such people generally who are most successful? People who are very knowledgeable, people who are very wealthy, people who have a lot of experience, right? Such people even, now imagine the big names that we learn in history. Big, big names, people who have had great influence in how this world has been shaped, in how societies have been shaped, in how different countries... You know, they've been formed. Think about the big, big names. Allah says, إِذْ يَقُولُ أَمْسَلُهُمْ طَرِيقَةً What will they say? إِلَّا بِثْتُمْ إِلَّا يَوْمًا No, you only stayed for a day. You didn't stay in the world for ten days. You stayed only for one day. Now imagine, if there are some days in your life in which you've had a lot of rich experiences, you saw many things, you met many people, you learned many things, you affected many lives, then those days you remember. Isn't it? You remember them really well. But the days that you spend doing nothing, what does that seem to you like? Like nothing? A few hours? A few moments? Now imagine, people who have lived the most rich lives, and I don't mean rich in terms of money, rich as in rich with experience, with influence. Even they will say on the Day of Judgment that no, 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 you stayed only for one day. All their experiences will seem like a day. What is the value of this dunya then? What is the value of this life then compared to the akhirah? How much is it that we worry about this one day? How much is it that we are concerned over this one day? We want to make this one day perfect. We shop for hours. We worry and we discuss and we read and we read reviews and we spend hours and hours going after this dunya. But the akhirah, which is eternal, how much time is being invested for that? إِذْ يَقُولُ أَمْثَلُهُمْ طَرِيقَةً إِلَّا بِثْتُمْ إِلَّا يَوْمًا In Surah Al-Nazi'at, Ayah 46, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَأَنَّهُمْ يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَهَا لَمْ يَلْبَسُوا إِلَّا عَشِيَّةً أَوْ ضُحَاهَا That they will think that they remained in the world only for an evening or a morning. An evening or a morning, not even one day. Not even one day. This is how insignificant this world will seem on the Day of Judgment. So here we all need to ask ourselves, how much are we preparing for what is everlasting? And how much are we preparing for what is temporary? For that which will seem so insignificant, so meaningless. We need to set our priorities right. We need to really see what we want. What is more important? 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته